Echoes of Wartime, Episode 4, A Woman's Place. In portraying life during World War I on the home front of both Crediton in Devon and Fulda in Germany, using the stories of real people and based on our detailed research, we have imagined how they might have reacted to the extraordinary times they were living in. We have assembled dramatic material using their letters, journals, archived accounts and interviews with historians in both towns. Using these, we have created the characters' conversations, thoughts and interactions. Join us as we guide you through this mix of fact and imagination. Two of the people we are with in this episode, Emil Montague in credit and Margareta Grippentrog in Fulda, were both passionate about equal rights for women. Here is John Heal, historian from the Credit and History Society. Amy Montague, the wife of uh, Leopold Montague, was very strong on the suffragette movement, uh, amongst other things, and both her and her husband were both important people in Crediton, and uh, I think she was a, must have been a very strong character indeed. She was also a staunch supporter of the women's rights movement, and secretary of the Exeter Women's Social and Political Union. Um, as a suffragette, she campaigned vigorously for votes for women, and she helped Christabel and Emmeline Pankhurst on their visits to Devon. During the war, as with many other uh, women of the town, she worked as a voluntary aid detachment nurse, uh, attending to the wounded soldiers in their hospitals in Crediton. Leo, I'm just off to my meeting. Uh, what meeting? What meeting do you think? The Women's Social and Political Union. I thought we'd all agreed to give that up while the war is on. Oh, for heaven's sake. We agreed to give up the protest while the war is on. That doesn't mean we don't still need to meet from time to time. Amy, are you all right? I'm sorry, Leo. I shouldn't take it out on you like that. The boys will come home on leave and we'll all be together again. It was wretched seeing them off, having to put a brave face on. Will they see each other over there? It's unlikely. Being in different regiments, they could be sent miles away from each other. I'm worried for the girls too. Good Lord, they won't be called up. No, I know that. A woman's place and all that. But I can see they're worried about Paul and Felix and yet they're such bricks, the girls. They don't want to worry me. It's only natural. But it means I can't really say anything either. I'd love to put my arms around them and have a good cry together. You won't, will you? Don't want to upset them more. No, of course not. Give me some credit. Sorry, you're worried too, I know. Thank goodness you don't have to go and fight in this idiotic war. Of course, once women are in Parliament, there won't be any more wars. <laughs> For the time being, just concentrate on being a wonderful nurse making those poor young men better. You're a dear, and I'm lucky to have you. I must go. I'd probably be late back. Don't wait up. I shan't. Have a good time. Here is Dr Thomas Hyler, Director of Culture and Archives for the city of Fulda. The men between 18 and 40, 45, had to fight at the front, and there was this beginning of the problem in in September, August, September 14, you have to look for the harvest and no one was there. And so the children, the women had to go on the harvest.
Come on, girls, settle down now. Elsa, put your books away quietly. Hildegard, stop talking. Settle down, please. Right, today we are going to learn about the region of Posen. That's this large piece of land here on the map. How many of you know something about Posen? Oh dear, not many of you. We will have to put that right then. I am from a town called Uschneudorf, which is here in Posen. So here are the new exercise books. I want you to put your name in the top right hand corner on the front. Hildegard, no more talking, I said. Bosa, could you hand these round for me, please? Then inside on the first page, I want you to write the following. Posen. Why did you leave in Fulda, Fräulein Griffentrog? That is none of your business, Elsa. Frieda, come away from the window, please. Now, girls, I want you to copy this map into your books. You may use crayons to color it if you wish, the rivers, the green areas, and so on. <laughs> Paula, what is so funny? What is it that you're reading? Sorry, Fräulein Griffentrog, it is nothing. It looks like a poem to me. Did you write it? No, Fräulein. It is a poem which was written for me. Girls, get on with your work, please. May I see Paula? Yes, Fräulein. Well, it's not Goethe, but also not too bad. Who is this Robert? I thought he didn't like me, so I stopped seeing him. He seems very fond of you still, this Robert. Von der Au. Herr Josef von der Au, the teacher's son? Yes, Fräulein, he is a poet. Maybe one day. Now put it away, Paula, and get on with your work, please. Good day, Headmaster. What can I do for you? I'm sorry, Fräulein. The girls are needed out in the fields to help with the harvest. But, Headmaster, we have significant work to do today. Not as important as feeding our valiant soldiers, Fräulein Kippentrog. Now hurry, please. They have to be taken to a farm in Aschenberg. Is this going to happen often, Headmaster? Are you questioning the importance of looking after our army, Fräulein Krippentrog? No, Headmaster. I can assure you I do my work in the hospital caring for the wounded soldiers. I'm just stressing the importance of the girls' education. And our troops need feeding, Fräulein. I wish it were different, but... Very well. Come on, girls, you heard what the headmaster said. Please pack up your books and line up at the door. Here is historian John Hill again. There were two hospitals in Kronetzen, in fact. Uh, the first was uh, sited at the isolation hospital of the local union workhouse. It opened in 1915 with just 22 beds, but as the number of casualties coming back from the front grew, there was talk of extending um, into one of the wings of the workhouse. But in fact, that never happened. What did happen was a temporary structure was built on the site of the workhouse, and uh, it was erected, in fact, by local farmers who gave the materials and did the work themselves. And that opened in July 1916. 
In March 1917, a second hospital was opened using the local Liberal Club buildings, um, which is now, by the way, a Weatherspoon's pub. Both hospitals were closed on March 1919, having tended in Crediton to 1,709 inpatients. Excuse me, I'm looking for my wife, Mrs. Amy Montague. Uh, she's with the patient in the bed on the left by the window. <coughs> Thank you. Leo, what are you doing here? May I have a word for me? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, I'm sorry, Frank. Would you excuse me? What is it, Leo? He died instantly, by all accounts. He wouldn't have suffered, dearest. Oh, Felix. He was only 20, for God's sake. I really do think you should come home and rest. I, I can't, Leo. I can't leave these poor men. Frank is in so much pain. Besides, it will help me. Take my mind off the awfulness. Oh, Leo. Damn the men in their war. He's in, in a better place now. Got to be better than this one. The world, I mean. Hell on earth. Herr von der Rau. Fräulein Krippentrunk, good morning. I trust you and your family are well, although no doubt permanently hungry like the rest of us. I'm very fortunate. My daughter Gustl is most inventive with the little she has to feed us with. Our garden is quite without nettles now. In fact, I suspect she goes into the Schlossgarten quite often to forage for our meals. And I expect she meets others there doing the same thing. Undoubtedly. I read one of your son Robert's poems the other day. You did? I trust he hasn't been sending you poetry too? <laughs> no, not, not to me. It was a girl named Paula in my class. Ah, Paula, yes. Robert fancied himself deeply in love with Paula at some time back, but I'm afraid he can be an arrogant young man at times, and he hurt her, so she stopped seeing him. His heart was broken, but I thought he'd got over it. It's nice to see a young man who can express his gentler feelings in poetry. Any good? His writing, I mean. Promising, perhaps, with some work. Uh, Amy Montague was 50 when World War I broke out. Uh, she had two sons, two daughters, all born in Crediton. Both her sons were killed in World War I. Minnie Ware, hello. I didn't know you worked at the hospital. Oh, hello, Mrs Montague. I had some mending to do for the matron. I've just brought it back. <coughs> How's Charles? Have you had news of him? <coughs> Thank you for asking, Mrs Montague. Looking after the pack mules, he is. They said he'd be safer there, but he still takes supplies to the front line. That's a worry for you. They should never have let him stay over there. Only 16. 15? Pardon me, Mrs Montague. 15? Even worse. And at the front line. He writes to you? Yes, I treasure his letters. It's dreadful for the soldiers, I know. But it's difficult being a mother to them too, isn't it? Yes, indeed. I was so sorry to hear about Paul. Yes, thank you. At Salonica? Yes. And before him, Felix. 
Yes. Both are boys now. It must be very hard for you and the Colonel. Yes. Leo spends even more time in his study, carving and writing. It takes his mind off it. And you, Mrs Montague? What gives you comfort, if you don't mind me asking? I'm rather taken with the spiritualists. I feel sure that one of the boys will try to communicate with me. It gives me hope. The spiritualists? I'm sure they are helpful. Many people think so. Yes. Well, I must be getting on. All the very best, Mrs Montague. Thank you, Minnie. Thank you. And you, Minnie. In episode four, parts were played as follows. Amy Montague, Rosemary Stevenson, Colonel Leopold Montague, Charlie Werner, Margaret Gruppentrog, Astrid Hermes, Paula, Claudia Johnson, Joseph Vonderau Sr., Martin Donovert, Minnie Ware, Jenny Start, and the narrator was Eddie Holden. Other parts were played by members of the cast. Echoes of Wartime was a common player's production, written and edited by Mary Stevenson and produced by Rod Brooks Hocking. It was funded by the Heritage Lottery Fund. For more information, go to www.echoesofwartime.com. Sound effects were from the bbc.co.uk, copyright 2018. The music was excerpts from Save Me From Bloody Men from The Armed Man by Carl Jenkins. <laughs>